If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to the book of Acts. We're going to be covering multiple texts in the book. We're looking at some characteristics of the early church, and I think primarily today is the fundamental characteristic of the church. And so, a few years ago, 2013, we started, we looked to plant Redemption Church. What are some of the things that you need to start a church? Give some feedback here. Some of the things you need to be, have a church. A pastor, someone preaching the word. People. Bible. Place. Location. And then in 2015, Oakland Avenue uh, gave us their building. They wanted to make a gospel impact in this neighborhood. Gave us their building. And then the list got long. Right? It, does this look like Oakland Avenue Baptist Church? It changed a little bit. And here's the bad news. I thought I knew a little bit about construction until I started to do a little bit of construction. So I remember a few guys, it's summer, we're knocking down insulation that had gotten wet and it's falling all over, you're breathing that stuff in. I, I believe I've lost five years of my life breathing that stuff in. Um, we even got scaffolding to paint the ductwork up top, spray paint it black. And I remember Coach Sullivan, we, we, take, we have these, the respirators and we take it off and my nose is black. Somehow the spray paint got into stuff that I never thought you needed to start a church, right? Now, I say that, but do you really need a building? Not really. As a matter of fact, there's churches meeting all over the globe that don't have buildings. And you think, we're, we're kind of spoiled. Not only do we have a building, we have A.C., it usually works. We have, we have TVs where we can see. We have instruments that you can plug in and sound that goes. We even have blinds. We got carpet. We got a place for children with a Lego wall. None of that's necessary for a church. Now, today we're looking at someone who is absolutely necessary for the church. And I believe is the most neglected person in the Trinity the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is vital if you're going to have a church. If you don't have the Holy Spirit, you don't have a church. You've got a club or you've got a meeting, but it's not the church. And when you look at what the church is called to do, the only way that we can do the mission is to be empowered through the Holy Spirit. And so I think a lot of times people avoid the Holy Spirit. I think in some areas people are nervous as all get out to talk about the Holy Spirit. And then on the other end, um, we go to the extreme, and then there's chaos in the church. Uh, as a, and I think, biblically speaking, we've got to tackle this issue. We need to know the Holy Spirit because He is very, very, very important. And I can remember I did this uh, student weekend get-together, whatever, um, and I was speaking, and at the worship, we were talking about uh, the Holy Spirit. And every time the words Holy Spirit was sung, someone would turn on the smoke machine and here comes the fog, right? Here comes the smoke. And I'm like, that's not the Holy Spirit. That is not the Holy Spirit. You, you don't trouble, it's not an it, it's not a fog, it's not a force like Star Wars. The Holy Spirit is identified as a person. He has a personality. And so we serve a huge God. <coughs> Some of you guys have heard of the Holy Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the, God the Spirit, right? 
Holy Spirit, Holy Ghost. He is a person. And, and this is why we call him a person, as a personality. So when I say person, don't think Phil, you see as a person, right? Here he, you see him, right? That's not what I'm talking about with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a personality. He does things that takes on a person. So the Holy Spirit comforts. The Holy Spirit counsels. The Holy Spirit speaks. The Holy Spirit guides. The Holy Spirit is to be obeyed. The Holy Spirit is to be walked with. And the Holy Spirit can be grieved and quenched. These are all characteristics of a person. So the Holy Spirit is a person and he wants us to know him. And so this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to ask some of my young guys here. I need you guys to pass out. Everyone gets one. Everyone gets one post a note. As we go through the sermon, you're thinking, man, I wish I knew more about that. Write it down. Because I think there's a lot of good questions about the Holy Spirit. I want you to be active. Write down questions on the post-it notes, and you're going to put them back here on the back table. And, and this is what we're going to do on Sunday nights, uh, not, uh, not coming up, uh, starting in October. First Sunday night in October, we're going to have Sunday night services uh, where we're talking about some perspectives, talking about fear, talking about relationships, talking about social media. We're going to have a Sunday night talking about the Holy Spirit. And I want us to dig deep on this topic because here's the deal. Jesus is talking with his disciples, right? It's in the book of John. He's talking with his disciples and he's saying, hey, it's to your benefit that I'm going away. And when you hear that, I wonder if the disciples thought, Jesus, you've lost your mind. The king is supposed to be in the kingdom. And if you go, the kingdom's done. And so he's just sitting, talking, it's to your benefit that I go. He goes, when I go, I will send you another helper. Another helper. And when he says that, what happens is the disciples know that just as Jesus helped them, the Holy Spirit will help them. Now that's very, very important because you and I have the same promise. When you believe in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, Jesus sends His Spirit to fill you and empower you to do what God's called you to do. And so I'm thinking, Phil, I'm thinking of Miss Baldwin's class, first period. You go in and sit at your desk, and right next to you is sitting Jesus. I think that's going to change some of the music you listen to. It might change some of the conversations you have. It might change some of the things you say to Miss Baldwin. Why? Yeah, you're pretty nice to Miss Baldwin. But that would be a big-time game-changer. Would he be a help? Oh, unbelievable help. And I remember uh, we did a 500-word uh, essay this past week for our seniors on what to do with the next step of your life, right? And oh, my goodness, sometimes I, I didn't think 500 words would be that hard. Man, that's an impossible task with some of our guys. What do you want to do? I don't know. What do you live with? Yeah. Do you want to stay there? Eh, it's all right. Come on, man. Wake up. It, it's, but you want to know what I didn't see too much of? Nobody asked God to show them where to go. And I don't know about you, but that's the primary thing to do. So as I was getting ready to graduate from Boone County High School, I am praying and seeking God, and then the Spirit is guiding. Hey, this is what you're going to do with the rest of your life. This is where you're going to go. Covington wasn't on my radar in 2001 when I graduated. But the Holy Spirit led me here. Holy Spirit opened doors. And we worship Christ because the Holy Spirit's at work. 
And so we're going to look a little bit today at the Holy Spirit. And so the power of the Holy Spirit is vital to the health of the church. Without Him, there is no church. So we're going to talk a little bit about the Holy Spirit uh, this morning. I want you to be interactive. Write down questions. We will get to them on a Sunday night. We'll record that and we can put this post online if you can't make Sunday night. This is too important to miss. You have help available. God in you through His Spirit empowering you. We need to know about Him. All right, so I'm going to pray. Then we're going to dig in. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your spirit. I pray uh, that you move. I pray you move in and out of your people. I pray you fill us with your spirit. I pray that you convict us of sin, convict us of our need for a Savior. Pray for boldness to speak and to stand up. I pray that you move and that you save. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right. Number one, the Holy Spirit is promised. The Holy Spirit is promised. And we talked a little bit about this last week. We won't spend too much time here. But I think it's very, very important to check out uh, one thing that's very, very important. Acts 1-4 says, And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Holy Spirit. So he just gives them a mission, but then he says, but don't go, sit and wait for the promise. And the promise is the Holy Spirit. And then in Acts 1 it says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and then you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. This is very, very important. The disciples knew Jesus better than anybody on the planet, and yet they couldn't do anything until the power came, and it came through the Holy Spirit. Do you see how vital the Holy Spirit is to the church? But do you also see how powerful the Holy Spirit is? You got a couple of dudes halfway across the globe. There is no social media. There is no telephones. It's some dudes with some sandals spreading the word. And it made it 2,000 years later to Covington, Kentucky. Do you see how powerful the Holy Spirit is? Hey, don't try to do this on your own. Sit and wait. When the Spirit comes, go do it. It also shows you where Jesus is. Jesus is at the right hand of the Father. He said, hey, when I get there, I'm sending you my Spirit. That's pretty powerful. We know where Jesus is. He's still sending his power. We can't do the mission without the Holy Spirit. That's what you see first off. Number two, the Holy Spirit is poured out. In Acts chapter 2... You see what's called Pentecost. Pentecost stands for 50. And what happens is 50 days after Passover, the Holy Spirit comes. So Jesus ascends to the Father. And then for 10 days, they're just walking around. They're, they're sitting, they're praying, they're staying in Jerusalem. They're waiting. And then, boom, the Holy Spirit shows up. Holy Spirit changes everything. And you see this uh, in verses, well, we'll read 1 through 3. Pentecost arrived. They're all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. And it filled the entire house, and they were sitting. And divided tongues as a fire appeared on them and rested on each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And look at verse 6 at the end. Each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And then later on, verse 11, both the Jews and the proselytes, Cretans and Arabians, we hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. Now check out all the people that were here. All the people that were here, in verse 9, you have the Parthians, the Medes, the Elamites, the residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, 
Pontus, Asia, Ferga, Pamphylia, Egypt, and parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene and visitors from Rome. You have multiple languages in the room and all of them hear somebody saying something about how great God is because of the power of the Holy Spirit. That's an amazing time in history. You see, language is a huge barrier to getting the message of Christ to the nations. And the Holy Spirit, in one second, not a problem. That's power. Now, any of you guys taking Spanish? All right, all right, a few guys. You, yes, you made it through Spanish. I can remember I took five classes in Spanish. Five classes, three in high school, two in college. And it didn't get better as I went on, right? They called it Spanish too, but I was still a beginner. It was tough trying to figure out how to put sentences together that made sense in Spanish. Um, roughest classes that I had in high school and then in college. This would have been awesome. Holy Spirit, please fill me. And now I'm fluent in Spanish. Wouldn't that be Why did that not happen? Because the Holy Spirit doesn't fill you to speak languages so you can pass a class in school. The Holy Spirit filled people to speak languages so they can take the gospel to the nations. That's power. But it's power for a purpose. What did Jesus say? Stay in Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit comes. When the Holy Spirit comes, you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. You want to experience God's power? Live on mission for God. That's number two. Number three. The Holy Spirit gives boldness to Peter and the church. If you flip on over to Acts chapter 4, things don't go well. Persecution breaks out. Peter's arrested and John's with him. They're brought before the council of the high priest. You see this in verse 6 with Annas the high priest and Caiaphas and John and Alexander and all of the high priestly family. These dudes were bad dudes. Like a couple of months earlier, they're the guys that put Jesus to the crucifixion. And if you remember, Peter was running around that night saying, Oh, I don't know Jesus. That's not my guy. I don't, I don't even know. What? No. Who, who's that? that? I don't know. And now here, he's before the guys that have the power to do the same thing to him. And check out his response. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit. You see that in verse 8. Alright, so now you have boldness and clarity and a coward. Peter's not the same dude that he was a couple months earlier. What changed? The Holy Spirit. Verse 12, Peter speaking, And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which you must be saved. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated, common men, they were astonished and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. The Holy Spirit changes everything. If you look in verse 10, Peter speaking to these guys, check how bold he is. By the name of Jesus of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him, this man standing well in front of you. Peter doesn't pull any punches. He's saying, yeah, remember that guy you put to death? He's alive. And that's the power we're talking about today. That takes some boldness. Does boldness mark your life? You see, when the Holy Spirit comes, he magnifies Jesus in your life. He, I would call the, the Holy Spirit the ultimate hype man. The ultimate hype man. And what he does is he is continually pointing your attention to Jesus. 
And it's, the Holy Spirit's fully God, and yet in His role in the Trinity, He's constantly pointing and magnifying and glorifying the Son, pointing to the work of the Father. You guys might have known of Don King. Don King had one of some of the best hair in history. Don King was a master hype man. If you remember the rumble in the jungle, that was this dude getting it hyped up. You have Muhammad Ali and George Foreman. He represented Vander Holyfield, Roberto Dur Like the boxers who are boxers want this guy hyping them up. So everybody hears about it, knows about it. The Holy Spirit does that with Jesus. What the Holy Spirit does with Peter is he magnifies Jesus. So when Peter's filled with the Holy Spirit, guess what he's going to talk about? Jesus. He's pointing people to Jesus. That's what the Holy Spirit does. Number four. Obedience to Christ is through the Holy Spirit. Obedience to Christ is through the Holy Spirit. This is in chapter 5. Well, hey, I want to finish. So not only boldness for Peter, but it's boldness for the church. So Peter and John are arrested. They're locked up. Right? That's not how they thought it was going to go. How am I going to get to the nations if I'm sitting here behind bars? Well, later on in chapter 4, the church is praying for them. It says, Now, Lord... Look upon their threats and grant your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness. You see, when they released Peter and John, they said, hey, but you better stop talking about Jesus or something worse will happen. And so the church isn't like, well, we're not going to be quiet. We're just going to pray for more boldness. But then do you see what happens in verse 31? And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and continue to speak the word of God with boldness. This is one thing we should be praying for each other. We should be praying for boldness to speak about Christ. And I'm just looking at some uh, where we're at. So you got Sean at Mount St. Joe, an education center. It would take some boldness for Sean to speak up at Mount St. Joe. I know it did when we were at Thomas More in the classes. We were laughed at. You really believe that Jesus died? And that's a Catholic institution. It's not how people think. It would take boldness at homes. It would take boldness where you guys work. It would take boldness in our neighborhood. But you want to know what? The Holy Spirit is powerful. And when you're filled with the Spirit, you get a cup of courage. You get a backbone. You'll be bold. Peter's life was on the line. The church's life was on the line. And yet it says they continue to speak the word of boldness. Word with boldness. Why? Because they were filled with the Spirit. All right, number four. Obedience to Christ is through the Holy Spirit. Now listen, this is, <laughs> this would make people a little nervous. Ananias and Sapphira, right? People are selling things, giving things to people in need. Like that's an awesome thing. But then Ananias and Sapphira, they sell their land, but they keep some. And they come before Peter and the apostles and they're like, hey, we sold everything. Here it is. Right? They're magnifying themselves. And Peter's like, dude, what are you doing? Why are you lying to the Holy Spirit? You're not lying to us. You're lying to God. And then he falls down dead. Then his wife comes in with the same story. Like, hey, yeah, we sold it all. Peter's like, hey, we just carried your husband out, and now you're about to go too. And boom. Like, that's some serious power. You, you don't take sin lightly when you're walking with the Spirit. As a matter of fact, those two are polar opposites. You can't do both. 
And so later on, you'll see in the letters that Paul writes, hey, you don't live in the flesh. You don't do what you want anymore. You live by the Spirit. And they're at battle. They're fighting. You have a war raging in your life. And if you don't have a war raging in your life, you don't have the Spirit. Because the Spirit is putting to death the things of flesh. And so obedience is key. You see, if you're looking for a verse in Acts, it's Acts chapter 5, verse 32. It says, and, uh, and we are witness to these things, and so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey Him. The Holy Spirit empowers you to do different things. Or Ezekiel. We'll go old school. If you're taking notes, you need to write this down. This is one of those verses my grandma gave me. Uh, very, very valuable. Special, special lady. And she's like, hey, you need to get this first. So Ezekiel, chapter 36, 26 and 27. And Phil, this goes back to, remember when we were going around the block and there were a couple rough dudes on, on the block that we know? And we're like, I, I asked you, do you think God can save them? And you said, yes, this is why I think that's true. All right? Verse 26. And I will give you a new heart and a new spirit and I will put within you and I will remove a stone of heart and a stone of flesh and give you a new heart and I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. You see, when Paul talks in Romans 8, you're a new creation, the old's gone, the new has come. This is what he's talking about. The Holy Spirit comes and does heart surgery. And so it changes your affections. You used to chase after girls or chase after drugs or chase after popularity, chase after money, and now all of that stuff's garbage because the Holy Spirit's giving you a new heart with new desires. And so you pursue the things of God. That's power. And the Holy Spirit does that for anybody. Nobody's too far gone. That's power. Obedience to Christ is through the Holy Spirit. Number five, Stephen is filled with the Holy Spirit as he faces death. And we'll pick up the pace here. Um, Stephen, filled with the Holy Spirit, sharing the gospel. He too is put on trial. Um, but it doesn't go well for Stephen. Right? It doesn't go well for Stephen. He is uh, arrested. Even though he's filled with the Holy Spirit, you see this two times at the beginning of chapter 6 and at the end of chapter 7. Um, Stephen, but full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And I want to put this in perspective. They had already drugged Stephen out of the city and they got a bunch of dudes with rocks in their hands getting ready to throw them at him until he dies. And it says here, but he full of the Holy Spirit. That's very, very important. That is power. Because what you see with Stephen is courage to face death and not blink. He is tough and yet he's tender. You see his toughness, but you also see the grace that he expresses. As they're throwing rocks, they cast him out of the city, they stone him. He, he says, Father, forgive them. Do not hold the sin against them. And then the Bible says he fell asleep. That's power. You see, death terrifies people. But the Holy Spirit shows you, hey, there's life after death. The same Spirit that raised Jesus from the grave lives and dwells in us. Will raise us also from the grave. And so Stephen's like, I don't care if you got some rocks. I know where Jesus is. I know he saved me. Full of the Spirit. What are you going to do? Praise, receive my spirit, forgive them, goes with Jesus. That's power. I want to face death the same way. Not with some dudes with rocks. I think that would be an awful way to go. 
but I want to face death with courage and with grace. Because this is what we believe. And the Holy Spirit helps us face death. Number six, Samaria receives the Holy Spirit. Uh, skip on down uh, later on in chapter eight. So when this happens, the church hear about it. They're like, I don't like that result. I'm out. And as they go, guess what they do? Tell people about Jesus. And so you see, Jesus says, hey, you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria. How does that happen? Through the Holy Spirit. Right. And so the spirit is filling people as they hear the gospel. Philip preaches the word. A magician sees the power when Peter shows up and they receive the Spirit. And I'll put this on here because this is a real evidence of the Holy Spirit. Right? When the Holy Spirit comes, people are changed. We're not saying like some pie in the sky. This is an imaginary force. The Holy Spirit is real. And He really changes people. And His works are really evident. And so there's a magician in this city and he's pretty powerful. He can do some cool things. I don't know if he had a car trick. I don't know if he could make the rabbit disappear out of the hat and pull I don't know what he was doing, but he's a magician, Simon the magician. And so he sees this power. Peter prays. They receive the Spirit, and this power comes. And he asks, hey, uh, Peter, how, how can I buy that? I can't do that trick. And Peter's like, dude, you're not understanding. You must not know the story of Ananias and Sapphira. You can't buy the Holy Spirit. You can only receive the Holy Spirit by grace. And he rebukes them. And you see Samaria is filling with the gospel because of the power of the Holy Spirit. Then you have Philip, and this goes back to, uh, to leading and guiding. The Holy Spirit directs Philip. Philip's just walking. He's just going down. He's just chopping it up, going to the village. Hey, do you know Jesus? Here's who Jesus is. This is what he's done. And then all of a sudden the Holy Spirit says, hey, I need you to go catch this guy. The only problem is the guy's in a chariot. Can you imagine you're just walking, you're going down, you're, you're enjoying the parade, and you see a car fly down Martin Luther King Drive, and Jesus, or the Holy Spirit's like, hey, I need you to go catch that car. Now, some of you guys in your vehicles might be able to do that, right? In my truck, it would be a challenge, right? The pedal be to the metal, but I don't know if I could catch him, right? But the Holy Spirit says, hey, Phil, I need you to go catch him. Philip's not driving. So he goes, 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 gets to the chariot. He's like, hey, man, can I hop up in there with you? He hops up in there with him. And this guy's from Ethiopia. And he's reading a scroll from Isaiah. And Philip's like, hey, man, I know all about this. This is pointing to Jesus. And he shares the gospel with him. And this guy is saved from Ethiopia. And then he's baptized. And then he goes back. And did you know in early Christianity, Ethiopia was a hotbed for Christianity. Why? Because of the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit said, hey, Philip, go catch that chariot. And Philip's not like, ah, I didn't stretch. I don't have cool sandals. I can't catch him. No, he just takes off ghosts. And history's changed. You see, the Holy Spirit still guides. The Holy Spirit still directs. You got to be open. You got to be sensitive. You got to ask for guidance. And then you got to go. Number eight, Paul is filled with the Holy Spirit. And Phil, this also goes back to it. Paul was the worst dude than anybody out here on the block. All right? Paul would come in here right now, and he'd take us hostage to a jail. Say, ah, uh, you guys, we got to worship Jesus. Yep, you're coming with me. He's on his way to go do that in another city, and Jesus shows up. And Jesus transforms his life, and then it says that he's filled with the Spirit, and then he immediately preaches Jesus, and he does so boldly. Now, real quick, you know when Stephen was put to death? People were taking votes. 
They were throwing down their tunic, saying, yeah, I'm throwing rock. I'm throwing. Guess whose feet they laid it at? Paul. Paul's a bad dude. And guy's like, nope, he's mine. I'm changing him. So this right here, when the Holy Spirit gets a hold of somebody, it doesn't matter what they've done. The Holy Spirit changes their future. And that's a powerful testimony to the grace of God. All right, so remember Paul. Number nine, we got two more, nine and ten. The Holy Spirit leads Peter to Cornelius, and, and the Holy Spirit falls on the Gentiles. Peter is led by the Spirit to a certain man. Now, Peter would never have gone to this guy. Peter's a little bit racist. He didn't like people outside his Jewish community. So God gives him a dream and says, hey, man, this guy's going to come. You need to go. You need to go. You need to go. You need to go. And Cornelius is a Roman guard, pretty tough dude, pretty tough family, but he's a God-fearer. He's like, God, I need to know how to be saved. And he's praying, send somebody, send somebody, send somebody. So the Lord's working on Peter, and the Lord is hearing Cornelius pray. And all of a sudden, there's a knock on the door. Peter goes down. Hey, I need you to come to this guy's house. His name's Cornelius. He's like, okay. Peter shows up. Cornelius is like, hey, I've been praying for somebody to tell me about this Jesus guy. And Peter's like, I think I'm that guy. And he shares the gospel with Cornelius. And as he's sharing the gospel, and as they believe, the Holy Spirit falls on the Gentiles. Now, why is this important? Because we see the gospel moving to the nations. Everybody is included in this gospel message to the nations. Gentiles speak in tongues and they worship God. And then number 10, the Holy Spirit and the disciples from Ephesus. If I could be in one city in the New Testament, hey, I promise you he's not getting rocks thrown at him back there. There's no illustrations back there. He's all right. If I could be in one city in the New Testament, it'd be Ephesus. Ephesus was crazy. So they had this guy named Artemis and they're making statues to this thing and selling it. And all of a sudden those guys are going out of business. Paul shows up with some dudes. They start sharing the gospel. People start worshiping Jesus. They stop worshiping Artemis. And the city goes into a riot. People losing their jobs. There's also a lot of witchcraft. Right? And they hear the gospel and they respond and they bring all their books and they burn it. And it's like $300,000 worth of magic arts and witchcraft. And they burn it. Why? Because they're following Jesus. How does that happen? How does the gospel flip a city upside down? So when I look at Ephesus... I'm thinking, if God can do that in Ephesus, God can do that in Covington. That's what I'm thinking. And I want us to see how this happens. In verse 6, it says, When Paul had laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit... Now, real quick, laid hands does not mean thumped them, right? Laid hands. He's laying hands and he's praying for these guys. And as he does this, check out what happens. This is chapter 19, verse 6. Acts chapter 19, verse 6. And when Paul laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they began speaking in tongues and prophesying. And there were about 12 men in all. That's not too many guys. We have way more than that in the room right now. Right? And we have the same spirit. Check this out. Twelve guys. Skip on down to verse 9. But when some became stubborn and continued in unbelief, speaking evil of the way, talking trash about Paul, he withdrew from them and took the disciples, took, took his twelve boys with him, reasoning daily in the hall of Tyrannus. So basically, hey, you know what? Fine, you're kicking me out of the synagogue, out of the temple. That's fine. I'm going to go to Kroger. Where everybody goes to get groceries, I'm going to tell everybody about Jesus. And then check out what happens. This continued for two years so that all the residents of Asia heard the word of the Lord. That is awesome. How does that happen? The Holy Spirit fills His people. We could fill Covington with the gospel. We just got to go where the Holy Spirit leads. 
The Holy Spirit empowers His people to do the mission Jesus has called us to. Very, very simple. And then some, some side notes here, and then we'll close. In the midst of persecution, the Holy Spirit brought comfort to the church. Some of you guys are going through unimaginary stuff. Relationships, health issues. I understand. The peace that surpasses all understanding is knowing that God doesn't leave you alone in the middle of the trial. And when we know that His Spirit is with us, there is comfort. Number two, endurance, speaking boldly about Jesus, and joy are all attributed to the Spirit. You're not going to do this on your own. And so I'm not challenging you guys to go out and knock on doors and, and tell people about You want to know what will happen? When you're filled with the Spirit, you do that. And I think sometimes the reason we don't have joy, we don't tell people about Jesus, we don't have endurance, is because we don't have the Spirit. We never believed in Jesus, so why would I tell anybody else about Him? Next, give thanks for the work God is doing in and through you. Ask for and look for open doors of faith. There are people in your classroom that God will lay on your heart, and if you don't speak about them now, you'll never speak it to them later. I can still remember Keith Gregory in my U.S. history junior class. I sat here, he sat one seat behind, and I don't know why, but the Holy Spirit laid, me, laid him on my heart to tell him about Jesus. Simple. That will happen. There will be somebody at work. It might be in your neighborhood, a specific house you drive by. For whatever reason, the Holy Spirit says, hey, you need to do something. You need to get here. Ask for power, ask for boldness, and go. That's how it works in the Old Testament, how it works in the New Testament, how it works now. The Holy Spirit also closes door, trusts His guidance and direction. Um, there's a couple times Paul's going to a city, and he's like, yeah, the Holy Spirit closed the door. And he doesn't say why. Like, he never says, um, well, they didn't let us in. Uh, we tried to go in there. It was too late. There was no... He just says, Holy Spirit closed the door. Then he goes to the next city. Holy Spirit closed this door. But Macedonia is wide open. And that's where the Holy Spirit's in, so we're going to go. Now, I say that um, Julianne and I were looking to uh, adopt somebody from India. And we thought this was where the Holy Spirit was leading and God was guiding. And the Holy Spirit closed that door. And, I mean, he slammed it shut. So we filled out the uh, reference, paid $300 to get the paperwork going. And then India passed that you had to have Indian descent in order to adopt. Now, there's a lot of things we could jump through, Julianne and I, but that's one of the hoops you can't jump through. And so for whatever reason, Holy Spirit shuts that door. Other doors open. We walk through the open doors. We trust God and His guidance. But I want to seek the Holy Spirit to God. You guys have the same availability to the Spirit. Ask God to lead you and direct you and then go. And then next, the last thing I'm going to mention here, Paul is sent to the Gentiles, and listen to why he's sent. Listen to why he's sent to the nations. To open up their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God. They may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in Christ. Now this is very, very important. On our own, we're not getting anybody out of the power of Satan. We have a real enemy. There's real darkness. There's real evil in the world. And we know that. If you lived at all, you see that. And there's this power that you can't overcome in your own strength. You don't have to. But as you share the gospel, you see the power of the Spirit tear that stuff down so that people are transferred from the kingdom of Satan and his power to the kingdom of God and his unlimited power. And that's what God does. 
and it's through the power of the Holy Spirit. So I, I want just to encourage you, the Holy Spirit is a person. We don't want to ignore Him. Every believer in Christ has the Holy Spirit. Romans 8 9 says, You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if in fact the Spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to Him. Alright, so I want to give you guys some characteristics. There's four, and then we'll close. I'll pray. Four characteristics. Have you received the Holy Spirit when you believed in Christ? Four ways to see this. Alright, number one. Yes, I received the Holy Spirit when I believed in Christ because I see Him working in my obedience. I hate my sin, and I'm growing more and more like Christ. That's an evidence of the work of the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit helps us look more and more like Jesus. So we don't believe in you're a good person. We believe, no, you're a changed person. You're a dependent person on the Holy Spirit, and He's transforming you. So in Galatians 5, you have the fruit of the Spirit. And those are characteristics that He's going to put in His people. So are you growing in your gentleness? Are you growing in your patience? Are you growing in your kindness? Are you growing in your self-control? Are you growing in your love? So when you look at Galatians 5, I think it's 20 to 22, those characteristics, if you're growing in those, it's not because you're doing better. It's because God's in you, transforming your life to look more and more like Jesus. If you hate sin. So if, you, if, you're, if you're messing up, running from God, and listen, the sin is, sin is a, a huge list. right? could be greed, could be lust, could be pride. Who knows what it could be? Huge list. If you can sin and shrug your shoulders at like it's no big deal, the Holy Spirit's not in you. Now, when you fall into sin and you hate it, that hatred, that brokenness, that conviction is evidence that the Holy Spirit is in you saying, hey, don't grieve me. Don't try to quench me. We're not doing that. You're not created for that. You're created for this. It's evidence of the Holy Spirit. So look at obedience for one of the signs. Number two, yes, I received the Holy Spirit because I want to worship Jesus. Jesus looks great and the Holy Spirit is pointing to his glory. If you have a heart that longs for Jesus, the Holy Spirit is working that in your life, drawing you to him. Because the Holy Spirit exists to make much of Jesus. If you feel that, if you have that desire, there's a good chance the Holy Spirit is in you. Number three, yes, I'm speaking the gospel with boldness through the power of the Holy Spirit. That takes courage. Does boldness represent your life? That comes from the Holy Spirit. Number four, yes, the Holy Spirit is leading and guiding my life. I'm going where he leads. I'm doing what he calls me to do. So those are four, and that's not an exhaustive list. There's others. It's not an exhaustive list, but those are four really good evidences that the Holy Spirit is in you. Now, if you go through those four lists, you're like, I don't even know what you're talking about. Maybe you need to trust Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Maybe you don't have the Spirit. And the awesome part is, unlike Simon, you don't buy it. You don't act like you do. You ask God. And Jesus sends the Spirit. How does that happen? Through the gospel. The gospel of Jesus. You don't get God on your own. You can't work. You can't pay for it. You can't do enough good things. You can't get to God. Someone has to get you to God. And what we believe is that when Jesus died on a cross, He paid for our sin. Paid for my sin in full. And when He rose from the grave, He's given me new life. 
And I believe that. So I trusted Jesus for my salvation. I trust Him to forgive me of my sin. So I want to follow Him. And as a result, He gave His Spirit to help me do that. That's a decision you can make. And I believe the Holy Spirit's moving right now, convicting people of sin in their life that they need to turn from. You need to do that today. I believe the Holy Spirit is moving, convicting people of their need for Jesus. Trust in Him today. I believe the Holy Spirit is like, oh man, I never asked for boldness. Pray for boldness today. Maybe God's put somebody or some nation or some country or some destination on your heart. Ask God, what does faithfulness look like? Be willing to go wherever the Spirit leads because when God's leading, you can trust His guidance. So I don't want us to ignore the Holy Spirit. I want us to be a church that is filled with power because we're filled with the Spirit and we're obedient to the command of Christ. That's the only thing the church needs. All right, let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. Thank you for your spirit moving. Lord, I pray for our people in the room. I pray that you give them wisdom. I pray that you show them where you're at work. I pray that we are quick to turn from sin and confess it to you. I pray that we hear and feel the Holy Spirit leading us away from sin and into Christ-likeness. Father, I pray that you guide the people in the room, whether it's a job opportunity, whether it's students with their next step. Father, I pray that you move in a powerful way so that we're not the same. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right, today I want to close uh, Zechariah 4.6. Zechariah 4.6. Um, I'll read it today. Zechariah 4.6. So please stand as we read. If you have your Bibles, you can try to find Zechariah. It's in the Old Testament. I'm going a little bit old school. And there's a tough name in there. His name's Zerubbabel. Right? But just remember, Zechariah 4.6. Here we go. Then he said to me, This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. Not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Nothing has changed. May we go in the power of the Spirit. Amen? Amen. Amen.